News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, the News Talk giant of North Alabama. Phil Williams, hosting Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. We're glad you're with us. It's the best show on the afternoons in North Alabama. I can just tell you that right now. We are having the best time doing it. So, you know, we, we unpack the issue of finances, and, and in a minute I'm going to bring in a friend uh, to kind of unpack it a little more here in the state of Alabama. We got some of what I call some, some freaky finances. Hey, before I do that, though, let me quickly tell you about my friends at ZLA Solutions. ZLA Solutions is an amazing company. They are putting people back to work left and right around Alabama. If you're looking for a job, just go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. They've got jobs posted right now all over the north part of the state. What if you're an employer looking to fill out your ranks? Well, that's what they do. Go to ZLAUSA.com. ZLA Solutions helps you find the people you need. The end result is, if you need folks, if you need a job, ZLA Solutions exists for that purpose. They will also help you with management and logistics. Just go check them out. ZLAUSA.com. They are putting people back to work in the state and doing it every single day. You'll like what you find. ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. Hey, listen, I'm going to bring on a friend of mine. Uh, Justin Bogey is with the Alabama Policy Institute. He's our fiscal analyst, director of fiscal analysis. Um, he is also uh, recently of the Heritage Foundation. Uh, he has done work up in Congress. He's also uh, worked with the Legislative Fiscal Office down in Montgomery, so I like to say he knows where the bones are buried. But, uh, Justin, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. We appreciate you being here today. Hey, Phil. Good to be with you again. Well, and, and, and thanks for that. I know you've got other things on your plate, but it means a lot to have you here. So, Justin, I'm not sure if you got a chance to hear it, but before you came on, I sort of did a, uh, a monologue on the split budgeting processes and, 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 and sort of likened it to, you know, what if you were had to run your household and you were told that only one spouse's income could be used for the mortgage, no matter how much was left over, you couldn't use it to help other bills. And that's kind of where we are in split budgeting. Am I right? You're right, and it really even goes deeper than that when you look at the earmarking issue. Um, for people who, who don't know what earmarking is, kind of a big word that they use up in Washington, um, but basically that means that uh, a certain set amount of the state's revenues can only be used on certain things. So that would be like you and your household budget having no discretion over what you use your money for, basically saying that, you know, uh, 20% has to go to your house, 80% has to go towards, you know, uh, food or, or entertainment or, or whatever, but you see what I'm, I'm saying? There's just not a lot of flexibility there. Um, and yeah. this is a system that goes back in Alabama almost a hundred years now. And it's a uh, strange, it's, it's not what other States are doing for, for the vast majority. Um, and it creates some problems. Well, I, I said earlier that my recollection was that we're one of only three States that does a split budgeting process. Do you, do you know more? I mean, what, what States do this in yeah. like that? What, why? So, so, I did kind of a deep dive earlier today on this, just kind of trying to refresh my memory and, and digging through uh, state budget information. There's only two other states that I could find where their two major budgets are separate like this, where education and then all other expenses are on two different budgets, and that's Michigan and Utah, so states that really don't have a whole lot in common with Alabama. There's a few other states that kind of do some strange things where they'll have just a capital budget or a transportation budget or, or something like that, but nothing on this scale where you're two main expenses, your two major uh, kind of budget sectors are separated like this, where, um, you know, as in a, where you, if you had a unified budget like the other 47 states have, um, there's a lot more flexibility there for lawmakers to decide how money is being spent to uh, shift money around when revenue sources are, are less than you expected or more than you expected, um, things like that. So that's really kind of the important part of this. 
So, so Michigan and Utah are the only other states that truly do a split budget like we do. And, and personally, I don't want to be right. like Michigan. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm less, I'm less opposed to the idea of Utah, but, but nonetheless, uh, sure. But Michigan Utah is not my role model. Population and dynamic than Alabama as well. Smaller, smaller population wise, and um, we don't have a whole lot in common with them. In Michigan, you know, they're they're doing all kinds of stuff up there. So I don't think we want to be in that company either. No, we don't. No, there is nothing about what we do in state government in Alabama that I want to model after uh, uh, Michigan. Uh, not that I know right. of. But, but so I, I remember uh, when I was in the legislature, uh, we had the Joint Task Force on Budget Reform. I was on that task force, um, uh, uh, you know, with, with Danny Garrett and and several others, and and Senator Clyde Chambliss. Uh, I think my, my recollection was Representative Danny Garrett and Senator Clyde Chambliss were the co-chairs. Uh, and I had a piece of that 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 uh, that I personally did research on, but that one of the things that we remarked upon was that in our report in 2017 was that 93 percent of all state revenues are are earmarked prior to ever being allowed to be appropriated. That's that's crazy. Right. That that's exactly right. And and I I saw an updated number today. It was still around 91 percent in 2021. So not much has changed since 2017, unfortunately. And that happens a couple of different ways. Some of these, some of the revenue sources are earmarked for what they can go towards through the, constitu- the state constitution, um, which all, we all know is, you know, the longest in the world, I believe, the longest constitutional document in the world. And then others are done through statute. So I think it's about 50-50 on, on how that's split. So uh, some of these could be relatively easily changed by the legislature. If they wanted to take it up, they could uh, undo some of that earmarking. Some of it would be harder to do since it would have to go through the constitutional amendment process um but but that's how we got where we are basically well and we got where we are truthfully i think in part because of the teachers union i'm going to go ahead and call that that out right now um sure you're you're right and and there's anybody who's been in alabama very long those teachers are are very powerful or have traditionally been very very powerful lobby farmers have traditionally been a powerful lobby and um when this separation was established in 1927 those were uh, yeah you know they were kind of in their prime they were very powerful they've continued to be powerful but that's why we've seen all of this um wrangling to make sure that revenues go to certain places it's for those interests so, so there's there's the politics of it so so right off the bat if you're listening to the show right now and you're thinking oh man i never knew this i never realized we have split budgeting why in the world would we do that i will tell you part of the politics of it part of the fight in this whole situation is that anytime you dare to speak about the education budget, the teachers union will, their heads will explode. Now I'm not necessarily talking about the rank and file per se, although the rank and file wind up getting stirred up by a total spin on the situation from the teachers union headquarters, the AEA. Uh, But all said and done, they are so protective of, of anything to do with finances in the ETF, the education budget, that the idea of the appropriation process being amended creates a frenzy. And I can just guarantee you it's going to take some people with political will and a conservative fiscal sense in order to make any changes on that. Would you agree, Justin? I'd, I'd agree, absolutely. And and the way that things have, have shaped up, especially in the last few years, um, the education budget is getting so much more of the revenue. There's uh, if, if there was some kind of uh, – if we got rid of the two-budget system and joined the budgets, then – um, some of that money would, would come from those education funding sources, definitely. So they're even more protective of it than they uh, would have otherwise been. But, you know, I think even as recently as when you were uh, down in Montgomery, uh, kind of early in your term, the split was basically 50-50, and that's, that's just not the case anymore. Uh, last year, the ETF was, 
I think 75.5% of the budget with the general fund being less than a quarter of total appropriation. So that, that line has really become more and more skewed over the last five years or so. Yeah, and yet look at all the things the general fund has to – by the way, this is not to take away from education. I mean, none of this conversation is to no. say we should stop spending money on education. That's not what we're saying. Now, I will say this. Every time I heard some AEA advocate say, you never fund education sufficiently, they could never tell you what sufficiently meant. But all that to say, this year the budget was passed for FY 2022. Justin, I think it was $7.7 billion in the education budget – Two point four billion in the general fund. Am I right? Yep, that's exactly right. That, that's that, and that's a that's a huge disparity. And and now, granted, maybe education costs more. Okay, I get it. Maybe there's there's far more employees. We have more state employees in education than likely anything else. I get it. Um, and all said and done, though, what we're looking at here is a vast disparity in the manner in which our budgets uh, are, are put together, the revenue sources they, they reach, the fact that they're so earmarked that the legislature can't really truthfully appropriate. And, and then in the middle of that, though, you got the general fund budget, and that's everything that we still expect our state to do. That's our court system, our state troopers, our... Um, you know, attorney general's office, that's the, you know, the various departments of government outside of education, that's mental health, that's Medicaid, that's prisons, all of it, all wraps up in the general fund. And it's woefully, woefully struggling on a regular basis. Uh, and, and in fact, there was a period of about 10 years when you could not even consider giving uh, general fund employees a pay raise because the budget couldn't afford it. But the teachers union fought and got like two, three, four percent pay raises every year in the education budget. And it's, it creates a huge disparity in state politics. Right. And again, it's not a, a knock on teachers or, or whatever, but they've had a lot more pay raises over the last five or 10 years than say, you know, when I was working for the state, I think we went for the whole four years I was there, there was no uh, pay raise for, for state employees. So there really has been uh, um, a, a, dis, a disconnect there between regular state employees and education employees. Well, and, and, and within the general fund, then you have the, the two giants, all right? So within the general fund, you have Medicaid and prisons, and Medicaid and prisons by themselves take up like, what, 53%, I think, total yeah, of the general fund budget by themselves. Of all of the general fund appropriations. So if you kind of go further beyond that and, and throw those two out, then the rest of those agencies that are you know doing a lot of things that people depend on um, are just are, are getting such a small share compared to the education trust fund. Well, and, 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 and yet here we are, you know, struggling with the creativity of, of how do we fix this? Um, hey, we're going to head to a break here in a second, Justin. Uh, can you hang on through the break? Cause I'm going to want you to come back and, and work on this a little bit more with me. Is that all right? Yeah, I'll hold on. All right, great. We're going to, we're going to talk about something we call the 78 22 split a few years ago that uh, Senator Paul Sanford and I were championing as a possible. There's got to be some creative solutions. You can't keep doing life like this. You wouldn't run your household like this. You wouldn't run your business. So why do we run our state that way? And it's going to take people like y'all learning what this is about in order to speak to your state legislators and say, my God, you've got to change that. That is a hamstrung measure, measure, means of doing this. Hey, listen, it's News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams, I'm your host. We'll be right back.
News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. That's us, and that's you. If you're listening to this show, you know for a fact you've been looking for that, that show that can arm you, that can, that can equip you, that can empower you, that can motivate you, that can get you out there to do what needs to be done. We need some right side ruffians. We need some folks out there who are going to say, not on my watch. And those are the, those are the buzzwords you hear on this show. We're going to constantly keep giving you the stuff, man, so you can go to the water cooler at work, have a discussion. And, and, and when the liberals come at you, you've got that, you know, You've got that respectful, knowledgeable way of just totally disarming them because they don't deal well with facts. And uh, we give you facts here on Right Side. Hey, so I'm going to bring back my friend Justin Bogey in just one second. Before I do that, let me tell you about my friends, though, over at etaxbreaks.com. etaxbreaks.com, I know these people. I know them well. I've worked with them before. etaxbreaks.com, the folks over there have 23 years of experience finding companies money they didn't know they had. Well, how's that work? Well, because... Maybe the way you run your business qualifies you for tax credits or tax incentives or, or for that matter, you know, even refunds or grants just because of the way you hired people or what kind of people you hired or did you retain them during the pandemic or did you put your business in a good location? Most of which sounds like common sense, but guess what? Rewarding people for common sense actually does happen, and the folks at eTax Breaks are experts at helping you find it. Just go check them out etaxbreaks.com forward slash right side. They will square you away and they don't get paid unless they find you money. etaxbreaks.com forward slash right side. Go check them out. Hey, listen, my friend, Justin Bogey's hanging on the line. Justin, thanks for hanging on during the break. We appreciate you being with us today. Sure. Glad to. Hey, I, I got, I got to, I got to move towards solution. Cause what I don't want to be is the show that always talks about the negatives or talks about, you know, the problem. There's gotta be something that can be done. And, and, and I know for a fact that with the split budget, and the fact that what we call the growth taxes are assigned mostly to the education fund, that's why it grows in a good economy. The general fund tends to be more flat or stagnant because it's things that don't change. That being said, if we get into a tight, if we get into a budget crunch, absent a constitutional amendment, the only way to solve a solution would be to borrow money or to raise taxes, neither one of which is a good solution. Right. Well, yeah. So, okay. so I think there's a couple. Yeah, I think there's a couple ways to, to look at this, and just to remind everyone. So, right now, Alabama earmarks about ninety three, somewhere ninety to ninety three percent of the budget. The next closest are our friends in Michigan that we've been uh, uh, railing on a little bit today. Um, so, so I think the first goal should really be to be more like other states, reduce that earmarking percentage to under twenty five percent. Again, some of that might have to be done through constitutional amendment, but a lot of it can be done by the legislature. And then really take a close examination of what revenues are earmarked right now and what, what that money is going to. And you know, does that make sense for the needs and the priorities of the state of Alabama? Or are some of these things you know, antiquated from 100 years ago when the system was put into place that maybe don't really reflect the priorities of the state anymore? So going through some kind of process to look at all the earmarks to get rid of what you would call non-essential earmarks or, or, or earmarks for non-essential agencies and really just take a more active role and oversight by the legislature to make sure that any earmarks are really going towards things that are absolute necessities that the state can't live without so that they'll have that constant stream of revenue, like, you know, some aspects of education or corrections or uh, whatever the case may be. Um, but to really to really go through that process and, and try to limit the number of earmarks so- and return more flexibility back to the legislature so when we do have a, a downturn or 
or some kind of special. Yeah, so, so, so uh, basically, what you're saying they have more flexibility. So basically, what you're saying is reforms. I mean, reforms. Right, are, exactly. It, it, I mean, it's just reforms. Before we ever get to the point of raising taxes, we we have to be willing to say, let's look at how we're doing it and do it a little differently. Here's an idea, by the way. This is 2015, 2016, when I was in the uh, the legislature. Um, State Senator Paul Sanford, uh, who still lives in the Huntsville area, uh, he and I left office, came in and left at the same time, as a matter of fact, both served two terms. And uh, he had an idea. I loved it and uh, became uh, an advocate for it. It was called the 78-22 split. I don't know if you recall this. I think it was when you were up at Heritage Foundation. But um, the 78-22 just basically says, all right, according to the Legislative Fiscal Office, roughly 78% of all revenues that are received would need to go to education you know, expenses and 22% over to the general fund. But if you take all the monies and bring them into one pot and then break them out in a 78-22 split, you're not limiting one budget to the growth taxes and the other one not. You're taking growth and you're putting it all in one pot and then dividing the money out of that one pot. And and that doesn't happen right now because they're pre-earmarked. Um, so whether that ever was the solution or not, uh, it was still a creative opportunity to look at how we could do it differently and that didn't even totally do away with the split budgeting processes. It, it kept education separate from Medicaid, but nonetheless, it allowed a sharing of growth and also allowed a sharing of the burden of non-growth. And, um, and, and so anyway, ideas like that, I think, are necessary to the processes that we have in Alabama. Absolutely. And I, I think there's you know, other opportunities out there to, to come up with creative solutions, um, but it's going to take leadership from the legislature, just like a lot of these other things, from the governor to make this a priority and and get the ball rolling on this. Well, right now it's not a priority. They're too busy uh, legalizing marijuana and uh, and getting gambling <laughs> bills. At least some of them. Let me say that some of them, some of them are not, and I know that. In fact, I've got one coming on the show later, Senator Sam Gavan, uh, who would uh, who would who would fall into the not category on that. But, uh, hey, Justin, thanks for your time, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, you've been on the show now twice. Uh, you are a great resource for us, and, and uh, we will definitely have you back on later. Justin Bogey from the Alabama Policy Institute. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Yeah. Listen, folks, if you want to know more about the Alabama Policy Institute, you can find them at alabamapolicy.org. I mean, go, go on there, like that 78-22 split I just told you about, or the split budgeting processes. You, you can find the facts and the details. I mean, when I was a state senator and I would go and argue a bill, a lot of times I would take a actual research paper from API, the Alabama Policy Institute, to the podium to argue my points because it was always so well thought out and researched. And folks like Justin Bogey do a great job for us. Alabama Policy Institute is so worth checking out. Hey, listen, you're going to want to stick around for the next half hour because i got some uh, interesting insights. So the governor, her, chief, her, uh, her press secretary, made some interesting comments this weekend about vaccinations. So I reached out and spoke to them directly and got some insights on vaccination policy from the governor's office that I'll be glad to share with you at the beginning of the next hour. So stay tuned. Plenty to talk about there. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> 